This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. Hello, genius people. Yako Warner here. The only show we listen to in the Water Tower is the Animaniacast. I bet you can't guess why. Good night, everybody! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Animaniacast, and this is part two of our recent discussion with Tom Ruger. Uh, we left off with episode 15, so here we are, starting with episode 16 of Animaniacs. If you missed our previous episode, well, make sure you're subscribed to our podcast, and that way you can easily go back and listen to episodes 11 through 15. And hey, why not go back in a little bit further and uh, listen to what Tom had to say about episodes 1 through 10 as well? It's a great discussion. Well, let's go ahead and get into today's episode. We talk about episodes 16 through 19. We don't get quite all the way to 20 this time around, and we'll explain why in just a little bit. But until then, here we go with episode 16. Let's go to episode 16. What do we got? All right. Um, so we got uh, Chalkboard Bungle, Hooray for Slappy, and the Great Wackarati, the Master and His Music. Yes, indeed. With uh, uh, this is an episode that uh, has a, a unique credit uh, at the end uh, in the cast list. Uh, it says uh, "Burping" by Maurice LaMarche. <laughs> you know, you just don't get that credit very often. I mean, I don't know where else there's a credit for burping by someone. I don't know how he comes up with that that ability to do that. Nathan and I were we, when we were over there uh, at your house, Tom, doing the audio setup for the Good Feathers reunion there uh and we had maurice and chick and john and you in the other room just kind of laughing and joking and we hear this belch (laughs) (laughs) that mo was just doing and it was just it shook the walls and nathan and i were just look they just look at each other and we just smile and we're just how is he doing that? And also, why aren't we getting this on tape? Uh, like, hurry well, up, set it up. How set is up. he doing it? And how is he not? Uh, how is something not coming up with that sound? Yeah, that is insane. But it it's, is so uh, deep and horrifying. It really is. And yeah, so we'll get to the Wackarati in a second. Uh, it's it's just uh, it, it's. I think it may be the most disgusting of the Wackaratis. But uh, so this thing, Chalkboard Bungle. Now this was animated by. The company that animated the least number of episodes. This was uh, uh, Freelance Graphics from New Zealand, and they uh, they weren't great. And they uh, some of the cartoons they made had to be uh, trimmed because the animation was so sort of off and wonky and off model that we just had to cut a bunch of footage. So. We found ourselves like uh, in the Moby Dick episode that's later on in the season. It, it probably was a, an eight-minute cartoon. I think we got it down to like four. I mean, wow. <laughs> because we had to we had to cut so much footage. Now this nice. one, we felt uh, it was we felt it was an important episode because the comedy was tops. The comedy was re- the comedy was very funny and really good. The voice performance was really good. So we didn't cut this much, but it doesn't. It's not the best-looking episode, uh, Chalkboard Bungle. Uh, 
and we probably should have uh, reanimated more of it, but we didn't. Miss Flamille, performed by Tress, is a, a great uh, adversary for the Warners, but I think because this particular episode just didn't come off as beautifully as we wanted, we tended not to go back to her. We just, I think we went back to her for Wacko's, Wacko's uh, America, and that's about okay. it. Um, uh, I like the line, uh, I don't even know what she's talking about, but it's about, except Buddy Hackett, but that was genetic. I don't even... <laughs> it will be your job to get those Zany Warner Brothers under control, but they can be difficult. So can I. There hasn't been a child yet that Miss Flamille hasn't been able to control, except Buddy Hackett, but that's genetic. I love the bit where she says, repeat after me, that she's doing the uh, Pledge of Allegiance. We will begin class by reciting the Pledge of Allegiance. Please repeat after me. Please repeat after me. No, no, no. Wait until I start, then repeat after me. No, no, no. Wait until I start, then repeat after me. Stop that. I'm warning you. Stop that. I'm warning you. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Stop it, stop it, stop it. If you don't stop it right now, I shall scream. If you don't stop it right now, I shall scream. All right. That's it! All right! That's it! With liberty and justice for all. With liberty and justice for all. I thought that was Yeah, that was really good. It, it's so funny. You, the animation, it, it's distracting. Nate, I, I know we, mm-hmm. we were talking about these episodes that Freelance animated, whether it was this or... Uh, later on, it was like the, uh, the 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 cartoon corner or whatever that is, little segments that, oh, that yeah. freelance would do. It when you just sit back and you close your eyes and you listen. Oh yeah, it's great, it's great stuff. It's so funny, it's yeah. fantastic. That's probably that's great. I've never done that. Oh, that probably would be an enjoyable cartoon because you could imagine if it was well animated, it would mm-hmm. look great. Yes. So I, I I just get so distracted like with plots like at the beginning he's talking to Flamiel and he's chewing this gum and his his mouth is not synced up at all with what he's saying it almost looks as if I mean it's like they were trying to just keep it so neutral so that every country around the world when they were dubbing Animaniacs would uh, look the same or something it's so weird that that's absolutely true because you know that when they were dubbing these episodes by freelance graphic they had no problem because yes because they weren't sunk up at our end. And literally, uh, I, you, you can't see this on the podcast, but imagine that you're just opening and shutting your mouth in a very random way, just sort of like almost slowly to it. That's how they animated the, the, the lips on, this, on these cartoons. It was like, they didn't. Yes. If the animation was not so great how did they get hired and able to do other episodes to begin with they did uh yes that's a great question and uh uh freelance graphics had uh animated a few tiny tunes episodes and they endeared themselves to somebody in the warner's office but i don't know exactly who (laughs) um i don't know if they were related to somebody or somebody was uh they were nice people, but uh, they really didn't have the staff, the the uh, 
with the animation chops to execute uh, really uh, excellent um, animation for our show. Um, you'll notice, I think, that by the second season, they're, they're out of the equation. I think I think they are out of the equation by the second season. Yeah. So they did a few here. Uh, I found I, I, once I saw Miss Lemiel that one. I don't think I ever sent them another uh, Yakka Wack One Dot. Uh, I'm pretty sure I didn't send them a Pinky in the Brain ever. So I, I would send them Katie Kaboom. I would send them uh, a Chicken Boo. And, oh, actually, no, they did get they did get. One more Yakka Wack on Dot. They got uh, Survey Ladies. Oh, that. Oh, yeah, and they did pretty good in that one. You know, yeah, I moments, didn't notice it as bad. There's moments of excellence, I think, with freelance. Like every now and then, I'll I'll see a few shots. And I'm like, oh, that looks really good, and then it goes back to you know whatever. But uh, yeah, it's it's just so hit and miss right there. I think there's a lot of people on the internet that like to say, let's do reanimation of this or that and they you know they they piece it out i i think that it would be a great suggestion to all the the animators of the internet split up some of these freelance animaniac <laughs> segments and go crazy with it and see where you can go with it because i think i'd like to see something else that's, really, else. that's a great idea they i saw someone did uh <laughs> um when I was at Hanna Barbera, uh, Thirteen Ghosts of Scooby Doo, we did an episode of uh, that included Platypus Duck, which was a cartoon character I made in college. And so Platypus Duck was in this Scooby episode, and uh, they someone got a hold of the episode and they they sent it around, and, and you know maybe a hundred different animators did little sections of that cartoon. It, it's so much better than that Scooby episode <laughs> because it's all, you know, the, the creative energies of a hundred people. I mean, it's really fantastic yeah. To, yeah, to watch that. And, you know, sometimes it's just horrible and sometimes it's just, wow, this person really busted their chops. Yes. So, so there you go. There's a suggestion. Uh, yeah. Uh, and of course I gotta, I gotta mention that it also has one of the most famous innuendo lines. Uh, of the conjugate. Oh, well, who me? I've never even kissed a girl. Or I'll, yeah. con- I'll conjugate with you. And <laughs> yeah, <Or not> every- <laughs> watch me. <Yeah>. Don't look. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> you know? So, and then she also is pulling out these magic markers and different things out of right here out of her. Uh, uh, well, what do you call this area? Uh, her cleavage. She's yes. pulling things out, and <laughs> yeah, what else you got in there? Yeah. So it, it's pretty. <laughs> Risque stuff right there for Adam ADX, but but uh, yes, that's gotta gotta mention that because I know that some people like to count those down. We'll move on to grammar, Wacko. What is the meaning of the word procrastination? I'll tell you tomorrow. You children are making this very difficult. Well, learning isn't easy. Let's move on to sentence structure. First, verbs. Yako, can you conjugate? Oh me? I've never even kissed a girl. No, no, no. It's easy. I'll conjugate with you. Good night, everybody. You don't understand. Let me go to the board and show you. Don't look. Uh, a Slappy cartoon right here. Uh, hooray for Slappy. Uh, Slappy's getting a, getting a Lifetime Achievement Award. And it's at the... I gotta mention this. When this episode comes out, I'll be staying or finishing my stay at the very hotel that's being parodied 
in this cartoon. The, I'll be at the Hotel Bon Adventure. Bon Adventure, and they are at the Hotel Bomb Adventure in this cartoon. Oh. And I had Did just it on purpose. I had just booked my stay in LA in a couple weeks, and I saw this, and I was like, "Hey, honey, look, that's our hotel that we're going to be in." Look at you. Anyway, so I just thought I'd mention that. But let's talk about this one. <laughs> well, this, one this one is written by McCann and uh, Rusty Mills directed. And it stars uh, Slappy and Skippy, but uh, their adversaries are prominent in this one. Walter Wolf, Beanie the Braindead Bison, and Sid the Squid. Now, have you guys talked about the, the voice actors who did Beanie and Sid? Uh, slightly. I forget, their, I forget their name. I know they were, um, they, were, they were lesser known to us, I believe. Well, yeah. they're a comedy team big in the 60s. They were on Ed Sullivan almost every other week. Burns and Shriver. Uh, Jack Burns and Avery Schreiber. Avery was doing a lot of voiceover work uh, in the cartoon biz at this point. And uh, Jack was the producer of a, uh, of a comedy series that was a rival to Saturday Night Live called Fridays. Jack Burns was the producer of that. But uh, Burns and Schreiber in the 60s did uh, lots of different comedy routines, but they were famous for uh, Schreiber as the taxi driver. And behind him, Jack Burns would get in the cab and he would he would say horrible things about different ethnic groups, and and the the the, the Avery uh, Schreiber in the front would just be our he would be the audience he would be like reacting to this guy and it was him it was Avery Schreiber's reactions that were really funny but Jack Burns you know he, he would say I like to go down I like to go downtown and uh, whack the weirdos you know whack the weirdos you know what I mean 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 yeah I know what you mean. <laughs> That was literally their entire act for like 10 years. So <laughs> it was a cab driver act. I'll tell you who's here. Uh, Jimmy Don't Hyde. tell me who's here. Huh? Don't tell me who's oh, here. Oh, <laughs> well, they're all here. Everybody except Polly Noonan. Well, Polly ain't here. Polly ain't here, no. He, he had to go back to Boston, see? Hmm. His great aunt passed on. Annie Noonan's gone. Annie left us. Annie's gone. Oh, I'll tell, you, tell you one thing though, she was crazy about Polly. Oh, she treated him like it was his own son. You know, she was crazy about uh, Polly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Huh? Crazy. Huh? Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course, uh, he felt the same way about her, but he uh, he could never be around her too much. Him always being on the road and everything. Well, there, yeah. You see, maybe if he spent a little more time with her, she'd be alive today. I doubt that. She was hit by a truck. <laughs> But uh, they were very big, and so now uh, I was glad to get them. I thought it was fun. This is the last time, I think, uh, they, the last piece of film together that they made. Oh, wow. So, of course, Beanie, the Brain Dead Bison, appeared again. I don't know if Sid ever showed up again. Uh, uh, Sid does. He shows I, up yeah. a few times, like in the Halloween episode, I know. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah. I think in the yeah. funeral one where they think Slappy's dead. Yeah. Maybe the other ones, but yeah, he's definitely in those two for sure. Death, death is fun in cartoons. Yeah. Um, So uh, Walter. uh, Oh, and the other thing that I should—I think I've mentioned this, but I'm going to bring it up again. Walter here is voiced by uh, the lovely and talented Frank Welker. In subsequent episodes, uh, he—he, Frank would do it, but also Jess Hardnell would do uh, Walter now and then. And they would do it in this, this whatever this accent is, they would do it in this accent. 
Oh, yeah, that squirrel girl. Once I almost blew her up with a keg of gunpowder. Yeah, but she outfoxed me. She outfoxed all of us, Beanie, and she gets a trophy for it. Knock it off of the shelf, Pity. We're cartoon villains, so we never get the awards. <laughs> Stupid dentures. And uh, about... A year or two into the uh, production, a year or two into our series being on the air, we we were uh, sort of um, approached uh, by a group that said that uh, Walter Wolf was anti-Semitic and that uh, we should change his voice and and uh, that he was clearly like uh, you were. We were doing some kind of a a Jewish voice for him, and he was a villain, and therefore that's no good. Don't do that. Huh. Um, but we argued, and you know, we we ultimately did not change uh, Walter's voice. But we argued that again. Slappy is from uh, a world of comics, comedians, stand-up. You know, from the '30s, '40s, and '50s, and uh, uh, Jewish comedians would go to the Catskills and hone their trade and I mean there were a lot of uh, famous great Jewish comics and that's what we were kind of celebrating here with Walter that uh, like many of them he was very bitter <laughs> <laughs> that that he uh, he had maybe not succeeded as, as much as Slappy had succeeded and, and uh, so that's what we were doing there yeah. Well, and if you really had a character that uh, was really anti-Semitic, don't you think Stephen would have said something about it or had an issue with it himself? Mm-hmm. Well, exactly. And I went uh, with to Stephen about this, and he said, "Screw that." <laughs> <laughs> and he is, as you know, very sensitive uh, to to all that. So, uh, you know, with the Shoah Foundation, I mean, he, he's he's not gonna he's not going to. Uh, ignore a, a really valid uh, issue. He, was, he would not ignore it, and he, he felt that this was not uh, valid. Oh, by the way, uh, Beanie the Braindead Bison, yes. uh, we, were, we were told by someone in the censor group that that was a, kind of a, a brutal thing, and, and I said, well, we want to keep it. He said, well, you can say it like once or twice, but you can't say it three times. <laughs> so, so later in the cartoon, uh, Skippy calls him Beanie the Celebrity. The cerebrally challenged bison. Yes, I saw that. I made a note of that. Uh, Literally correct. Yes. yes. Thank you, Skippy. You're a good kid. I mean. <sighs> Miss Squirrel, would you please sign my autograph book? Oh, yeah. Please, let me postpone the rest of my life to sign your pathetic fanboy book. It's Slappy. He's no fan. That's your enemy. Beanie the cerebrally challenged bison. I knew that drool looked familiar. Uh, well, a lot and, and cameos a lot, in this one. Yeah, a lot, a lot of, of cameos. We had a lot of old cameos. So we had George Burns and the Golden Girls and uh, Milton Burle. Milton Burle, yeah. Don oh, Rickles. Milton Burle is giving a sack of money to a, a Catholic organization in this, which is just bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> I know he supported. His wife was very Catholic, and he they did give a lot of money. But uh, that it's actually in this cartoon. There he is, and uh, Maurice Lamarche would. Uh, often mentioned that one time he met Bob Hope was at uh, Starbucks in Burbank by the Bob's Big Boy there. And uh, I don't know why I bring this up, but 
So he's behind Bob Hope at Starbucks. Yeah, you know, one of those macchiatos. And, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, how about that snickerdoodle? Is that something else? Huh? <laughs> so Maurice can do it very So get Maurice on and he'll do his Bob Hope snickerdoodle line. Very good. <laughs> well... Closing thing up. Speaking of, of Maurice, let's get to let's get into the Wakarati. So this is our, I think, uh, this is our first uh, Wakarati appearance. Am I correct in saying that? Yes, I mm-hmm. think it is the Sorry. first Wakarati. And um, doing Blue Danube, if I'm not mistaken. Da, 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 dun, 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 yep. And uh, yeah, uh, Jeff DeGrandis directed this, and he. It, funny thing is he. For my money, he over-directed it, and I, Jeff Grannis is brilliant, and he's a great animator. Uh, but you'll notice in the other Wackerati cartoons, Wacko's head doesn't actually detach from his body. <laughs> and uh, this is beautifully animated by TMS, Just and, and Jeff Grannis did a great job. But I didn't intend this to be uh, surreal, where his... <laughs> Its head unhinges and he makes it. I just wanted him to be burping, sort of like I just wanted you know, Yakko to sing the, the the nations of the world. I didn't want to do a whole Mexican hat dance routine with it. So uh, anyway, this is a beautifully done cartoon, but I I, I think Wacko is is pushed to the surreal edge on this one. Uh, the burps are delicious and disgusting, and uh, and they and he comes way up in the camera. I feel like he's going to heave on us. So yeah, yeah. When you were recording these segments, did you have Maurice just record a few burps and then like just kind of put the piece it together so it made sense? We haven't or? we haven't discussed this yet. I don't think so. Well, uh, what happened was this. You know, basically, I had the idea. I want to do this. And I knew Maurice could burp. So I went to uh, Tom Maydeck, who was our sound engineer on the entire series. And I went to his very musically inclined uh, sound effects expert, Russell Brower, who did all our sound effects. And we talked about it. We said, okay, we get Maurice to burp, give us a bunch of burps. And Russell, can you then take those burps and sort of uh, apply, uh, take them to a certain, each burp separately to a note that, that you can like move it so that it, it plays an, an A or a, a C or a D. And he said, yeah, I can, I can uh, manipulate each burp and give it a length and a sound and a, and a certain note range. And we could use those burps. We could sing a song with those burps then so that's that was the concept so maurice came in he probably gave us you know a disgusting number of burps (laughs) we needed short ones long ones fat ones tall ones you know we needed the whole thing and then the then richard stone then gave us a click track of a piece of music to apply the burps to and then uh russell brower who became the lead composer some of the biggest video games on the planet, uh, Worlds of Warcraft and a bunch of other great games. I mean, he's made his name in that field. He, yeah. He's a great composer. Well, that's that's impressive. So, you know, hey, who said that, you know, that, you know, editing burps wouldn't get you anywhere? 
You never know. <laughs> yeah, he's wow. great. Great. <laughs> well, Nathan, uh, let's see. Is it? Yo, it's uh, Kelly, right? Kelly, uh, back to you. Okay. Our next episode is episode 17, Rollover Beethoven and the Cat and the Fiddle. Episode 17, I think it has the, the first good idea, bad ideas, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. right, Nathan? So mm-hmm. the first one that we see is the... Uh, it's playing a piccolo in the marching band, and then bad idea is playing a piano in the marching band. Yeah. And, and then it, it has a really funny other one later, which is the feeding, feeding, yeah. the, feeding uh, stray kittens in the park, and then or yeah. feeding stray kittens to a bear. <laughs> Yeah, feeding stray kittens in the park to a bear. <laughs> to a bear. So that is... <laughs> and the bear doesn't care about the kitten. It cares about eating up uh, Mr. Skullhead. It's probably saying, mm-hmm. what is wrong with you, Mr. Skullhead? That got dark. <laughs> so it's very, very dark. I think Skullhead has shown up already, hasn't he? Or is this the first time he's yeah, shown up? Yeah, no, we've, we've seen him, I believe. Um, I think we have. Well, I, I mean, this is the first good idea, bad idea, but I feel oh, okay. like we've seen uh, Mr. Skullhead Well, definitely before, in the but... Almira. Take Almira, please. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've definitely seen him in um, Tiny Toon Adventures, so. Okay, you're right. Yep. I forgot about that Elmira's little skull head. Yeah, bizarre. <laughs> okay. Well, Roll Over Beethoven, of course, uh, again, Rug wrote it. I think it's the first one he wrote, correct? Yes, this is the fir- This is the uh, the script that he wrote to basically get the job on Animaniacs. Yeah. Right. And uh, Mike Gerard directed uh, and Kenny Mars plays uh, Beethoven. Kenny Mars being the brilliant comic who was featured in The Producers, uh, the Mel Brooks movie from the 60s. Uh, he's just written his fourth symphony, and he can't come up with an idea for the fifth symphony, which is similar to what we've done with you know Einstein and, and uh, Picasso. So all these... Brilliant people are at some crossroad in their creative lives, and uh, the the Warners arrive like uh, you know Johnny on the spot, and they sing a little song. We're the Von Warner brother and the Von Warner sister too. We're the Von Warner brothers and the Von Warner sister too. We're chimney sweeps extraordinary. We'll clean your food for you. And they're going to be uh, chimney sweep his his chimneys, and he doesn't want anything to do with them. And he's uh, like some of the other characters uh, encountered by the Warners. He's Beethoven's sort of an egomaniac. Uh, he calls himself the greatest composer in the world, and uh, and his big thing is that he is a composer and a pianist. Uh, pianist. And the Warners <laughs> really, really question what he's talking about. What? You know, a pianist. And good night, everybody. And they wash his mouth out with soap. We've had enough about enough about you, Mr. Potty Mouth. Uh, they have lunch with Vienna sausages, and they, as they're done with lunch, they start burping, and they burp uh, the, the, the notes from the Fifth Symphony. <laughs> and and they hum that too, and it really annoys the heck out of uh, Beethoven. Stop that infernal humming! Uh, Dot does a Michelle Pfeiffer routine from the fabulous Baker Boys. 
singing uh, a parody of the song Whoopie, uh, which is turned into Hooey. Yeah, just and, proving uh, once again that the writers didn't really care if kids hadn't seen the reference at all. They're just going to, th- this is from an R rated film, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Um, he actually, uh, Beethoven in this one, uh, unlike in a lot of the other curriculum, he actually tries to kill the Warner Brothers. Yes. <laughs> he hammers, he shoves, they're up in the inside the chimney and he, he, he hammers boards over the top of the chimney so they can't get out that way. Then he goes down inside and he sets a fire so that <laughs> they're definitely going to die. <laughs> uh, fortunately, they have removed themselves from the chimney by that point. And uh, he's the one that gets uh, fried by the fire on the chimney. Well, you, you would think for a person that says he's deaf, he sure heard them a lot whenever they were across the room humming. <laughs> Good, point. Good point. Yeah. Um, he ultimately uh, uses their uh, advice and uh, the humming note, notes, and he uh, writes his fifth symphony while they go off. Uh, their next chimney is to go clean out Van Gogh's chimney, and that's going to be a problem, too. Whose chimney's next on the list? Oh, no. Not that Van Gogh grouch again. Maybe a sunflower will cheer him up. Well, let's move right along. We have Stradivarius in this next one right here. Stradivarius. Uh, by Hector Elizondo, quite yes. a big name. Yeah. yeah, he's been in quite a few films. As various, he usually doesn't play the nicest people in his films, or he's a detective or something like that. You know, he's, well, I think he played. Uh, wasn't he in um, uh, the Julia Roberts movie uh, with oh, Richard? The Princess Peter? Diaries. Was he in the Princess Diaries? Was that it? I believe I'm so. thinking of the one where she, Richard Gere falls in love with her. They're at a oh, he's in Pretty Woman. Pretty Woman. Hector Elizondo mm. is the hotel manager. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he uh, he starts out being kind of a, a nuisance to Julie Roberts, but turns into a real ally. And so it's a really big part uh, that he had in that. Uh, and Hector Elizondo was a uh, lifelong friend, childhood friend of Nick Hollander, uh, one of our writers. So Nick was able to get Hector to come in and help us. This is a Rita and Ron. Uh, as we know, they, they were beautifully handled in Les Mis, but again, we have freelance graphics uh, doing the animation on this one. So again, we have the sort of floating movements of the characters. Uh, the mouths just never seem to shut. They always just sort of stay around semi-open to wide open and this raw, raw, raw. So uh, the lip sync's not great. Yeah. But, but there's a nice song from Rita. Absolutely. Her song is just, it's a beautiful song. It's uh, about having a uh, somewhere I can hang my hat and, and yeah. stuff. It's, and she has such a gorgeous voice that, again, if you shut your eyes and imagine uh, uh, Bernadette Peters is singing, I think that's probably the way to go. Mm-hmm. Somewhere 
I can hang my hat somewhere for a dog and cat somewhere just a magic that will find a place called home a place we've been searching for a place we've been waiting for so long we've been searching for so long a place called home Speaking of which, there's a quick question here from one of our listeners, and she just says, I, I was wondering, what was your experience working with uh, Bernadette Peters? What was it like? And this is from Emily, one of our longtime listeners. Emily, uh, Bernadette uh, is is really kind of like an angel. I mean, she she agreed to do the show. Her agent insisted she gets a, a credit that's that says, and Bernadette Peters as Rita. So every episode she's in, at the bottom of the uh, credits, it'll always say, and Bernadette Peters as reader. But she was, unlike what you might think, you know, she was not in the least a Broadway prima. She came out here, you know, in work clothes, ready to work. And she would come uh, and do maybe two or three episodes uh, because she had to, you know, trek out here from New York to L.A. to do the recording. And... Uh, she always came uh, really just in, in fine voice, healthy, which is really key, you know, for the singer. And she, she wanted to do a really great job. And without a doubt, she was her worst critic. In other words, she would come in, she would sing the song, and we would say, wow, it's awesome. Done. Let's move on. And she would be, no, I, I didn't. I I, I didn't sing that half correctly. You know, <laughs> she she would she would want to make sure she's really putting the full Bernadette Peters spin on this stuff. So uh, really, just a real pro. Uh, her sessions went as long as she needed them to go, and she always just gave us I, I think just way more than we ever anticipated. I mean, these things really hold up. Every song that Rita does is just gorgeous. Absolutely. I have something on the wall. I'm going to go get it. So this is uh, for Tom with Love from Bernadette. Uh, and I quoted this. One, one year we won the Emmy. And I quoted this. Uh, Careful the things you say. Children will listen. This is from Into the Woods, uh, Sondheim. And, and Bernadette played the witch. And this is uh, a quote from the witch in, a, in one of the songs. Careful the things you say, children will listen. Careful the things you do, children will see and learn. Children may not obey, but children will listen. Children will look to you for which way to turn to learn what to be. Careful before you say, listen to me, because children will listen. So, uh, one of the last times we won the Emmy uh, on, uh, you know, in New York, like on the stage at Radio City and all that, I, that's, that's what I read as part of the acceptance speech. In other words, we know we're making shows for kids, and what we're putting in those shows, for the most part, uh, we think it's probably going to be worthwhile for them, but uh, we're also being careful because we know they're listening. Absolutely. That, yeah, that's it. And I love that musical and Bernadette's uh, uh, job. You know, her performance in it is just a, a fantastic. So, 
was a little I was a little upset they picked Meryl Streep instead of Bernadette for the for the movie, but you know whatever. Which one? Oh, <laughs> for, that? into the woods movie. Yeah, I I didn't see it because of that. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that should have been Bernadette. Uh, that happens a lot to these Broadway people. It's really unfair. Ah, forget about it. That guy was a yutz. Yeah, I liked him too. Out here in the shadows and out here is a promised land. Out here as the day is long, we'll find ourselves a home, a place called home. Gee, Rita, you're definitely a good dog. Yeah. Definitely, definitely a good dog. Woof. Episode 18. We're going to Russia for this one. Yes. It has Pavlov's mice. And then we have a Russian ballerina, <laughs> Chicken Barishnikov. And then we have, uh, we're going uh, back to the Tsar's castle again for nothing but the tooth. Yes. Well, Pavlov's mice is uh, really, uh, I don't know how you guys feel about where you put it on your pinky and the brain scale, but I think it's way up there. It's mm-hmm. a really funny episode. Uh, I, it's one of the rules, or one of the, not the rules, one of the suggestions I've made to some of the people that worked on uh, pinky and the brain stories is, because uh, sometimes people will get stuck, and I would say, what would you like to see Pinky in the brain. What would you like to see that would be funny? What visually would be funny for the brain to be doing or Pinky to be doing? Like, so one of the answers was, oh, riding a horse in the Kentucky Derby. But uh, the <laughs> idea of brain sort of stunned and doing, I'm a little teapot short and stout. This is my handle. This is my stuff. <laughs> That's, that, that was uh, a perfect example of wanting to see something sort of ludicrous and against character that Brain is doing. And uh, he hates it. <laughs> he just hates it. I'm a little teapot, short and stout. This is my handle, this is my spout. When I get all steamed up, hear me shout. Tip me over and pour me out. <laughs> he has that nice smile on that, that hypnotized smile. The an- <laughs> and, and, and the animation in this one is just so beautiful. It's just, it's fantastic. It is gorgeous, gorgeous animation. And they want to steal the crown jewels uh, from the czar. And they're going to do it during eclipse. I don't know what he's thinking, but that, that's the idea. And uh, there's just so many great moments where Brain's just getting pummeled. Uh, uh, he gets stepped on by a horse, and he, uh, Pinky pulls him out of the snow, and he's shaped like a horseshoe. And, that was unpleasant. <laughs> so I think it's a gorgeous episode. Uh, and uh, again, uh, it's an early on episode. Pinky doesn't always sound exactly like the Pinky that we will ultimately know, but it's, uh, it's, a, it's a great app. And uh, it's, it's about Russian history right there that I know Kelly's a fan of. So she's, a, she's the Russian czar uh, historian on our show. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well... The czar, the czar was uh, uh, in better shape in this one than he was in the uh, upcoming Tooth episode. Yeah, he looks a little mm-hmm. bit different. Uh, it's a little almost drugged out in the next one. 
<laughs> before, before, before we get to uh, the the nothing but the tooth, there's a there's a chicken boo one right here, and this is a this is a really good one, I think. This is chicken Burishnikov, uh, where chicken boo is masquerading as a, a ballet dancer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, again, uh, chicken boo is such an acquired taste for, for everyone. I think. <laughs> But he's he's seen as a. It's funny because at the beginning he's his uh, dance coach or whomever the the guy who, I don't know who who this guy is that directs the the ballerinas yeah. or he 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 says he's the best dancer. Oh, I know. Wow. And then at the end he says the minute he finds he's a chicken, the guy says you're the worst dancer I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah that's not very nice. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, and Chicken Boo is such a big chicken too. I mean, Deanna loves chicken boo so much and Deanna wrote this one and 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 chicken boo is insane (laughs) (laughs) and yet we like him I will say that he it's a good thing that he is a chicken because his brain is so small that he just doesn't really take the the rejection to heart he just Mm -hmm. moves on with his life and just moves down the street completely moves on He, he goes to other uh times in history as well yes, get a new job and yeah yeah he definitely <laughs> is not uh, dissuade from pursuing his human uh pursue yeah pursuing his human uh career <laughs> you wear a disguise you look like human guys but you're not a man you're a chicken boo after our chicken boo uh, visit with chicken boo that we're going over to nothing but the tooth, and so and this a clip from this was actually featured uh, recently in uh, the the CNN special that you were in, Tom. With yeah, I, I don't think it illustrated what they were talking about either. No, no, I, I, I kind of agree. It wasn't necessarily the best clip of Animaniacs I would have picked, but they, they did it. Uh, you know, they picked something. I think they were saying about great sight gags is what they were talking about, and really, it was really a prop. It was a prop gag. It wasn't necessarily. It wasn't like Chaplin falling on his keister. Uh, we have. I mean, Wacko does all sorts of bizarre. I mean, the Xerox machine thing with Wacko would have worked, but they had uh, a clip of uh, Yakko holding up a, a big drill from this episode. That's fine. <laughs> so we're, we're dealing right here with uh, with uh, Rasputin and the Czar, and he's he's hypnotizing Czar Nicholas. And of course, the Warners have to put a stop to that, and they have a—they just—they have to take out a tooth in Rasputin's face. <laughs> That's right. And this was written by uh, Rug and Deanna, and I think uh, Greg Reyna uh, directed this one. This was uh, done by uh, Acom, uh, they, a Korean animation company, and they had done a lot on Tiny Toons, and they did a lot less on Animaniacs. But, so this is one. This is, uh, I think, maybe the first of this broadcasts uh, of what we're discussing today that uh, Acom was involved in. Um, I like how Wacko commented on the script not being up to snuff. He says, "Hey, I don't write them; I just say them." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or there's the uh, the 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 whole thing. I again, Paul Rugg wrote this, you know, or at least you know, co-wrote it. And another dog joke with biting right here. Kiss my puppy <laughs> and bites. Absolutely. Bites the, bites. This is like uh, his his pet Lucky. Uh, yes. 
biting his fingers. He kissed my puppy. Yes, exactly. Oh, he likes. He likes you. Go take him potty. Yeah, it was like a little Chihuahua too. So this was the first time that Lucky was to be featured in a cartoon, and Lucky wasn't even on this earth yet, but he was featured in a cartoon. This is this is absolute premonition, right? <laughs> exactly. Who would have thought? Uh, and as for you, he's my puppy. <laughs> he likes you. Now take him party. Bye bye. La 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 la. Wait, he's insane. Now there's a mistake in this one. If you watch closely uh, at the very end of this one, uh, uh, Lucky, the 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 little dog, has gotten uh, Rasputin's entire set of choppers uh, at the very end of the cartoon and. Rasputin can no longer speak properly. Goes, you don't have any teeth. So he's talking to the the czar, trying to hypnotize the czar again, and he goes, and you can't understand him. So he, he's completely ruined. So uh, the czar fires him and kicks him out of the the home, and he goes flying out in the street and lands, and for just a frame, <laughs> as he lands, you can see teeth in his mouth. Ah. Now, did that really drive you crazy, like when we're reviewing the episodes, or did you just kind of like, well, let it go? Nobody well, just today, I, I noticed that. I <laughs> just today. It. Well, good thing you did. And, and then you go back. I said, well, maybe he got his teeth back. And then you go back inside, and the dog who says, you know, he wins. The dog's getting a lot of bones. He's hypnotized the czar. The dog has his, I may be, you know, I may be little, but I'm smart. And he smiles with those Rasputin teeth in his mouth. Mm. And I realized it really was a mistake. Well, let's uh, we'll rush on over to the episode uh, 19. Everyone else is rushing around here. We're going to rush on over. <laughs> rush on over to episode 19. Nathan, this is another one of our favorite ones. Tell us what happens here oh, in yeah. episode 19. So classic, we have meatballs are consequences and a moving experience. Mm. Yes. Well, meatballs are consequences is fabulous, don't you think? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. so good. We love that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, and, and it's, uh, this is the single episode that I think we only had four voice actors involved. It's bizarre. But uh, uh, Death is played by Jess Harnell doing whatever little accent he's doing there. And that's a just a, a very funny script, uh, Meatballs are Consequences, written by McCann, directed by uh, Greg Rayner. Now, McCann wanted this to be called Death or Consequences. Right. And I, I, I just thought putting the name, the word death, in the title of a kid's cartoon, uh, I thought we'd get some black. So we, we fiddled with the name forever. And then, then when we looked at it, we saw, you know, the, it opens with a big meatball eating contest. So we went with that. I don't think it's the perfect uh, title, but uh, it doesn't have the word death in it. Although death plays a, a wonderful, uh, big role in this and, you know, gets defeated by the Warner Brothers. How do you beat that? Now, this one was animated by, you guys know? Star Tunes, right? Yes. Nice. Star Tunes. 
they did a, a beautiful job, especially with the uh, Bergman-esque uh, uh, sort of speeches to camera, where uh, Yakko and Dot are both sort of like, they, they pretend almost like they're dead, and they're just talking, you know, where are we, you know, is this... Is All this- is strange and vague. Are we dead, or is this Ohio? Thank you, Kelly. <laughs> That's, I was waiting for Kelly to do it, because she loves that line. That's the I greatest do. one. It is. Start. uh, This is Tunes really just starting to get going on uh, uh, the series. They had done some slappy. This may be their first uh, Warner's cartoon, and uh, so they they hit it pretty well, I thought. Yeah, and and yeah, Death is such a funny character in this one. He's so by the book. You're not dead, but if you must stay with your brother, then Appendix Three contains a clause allowing the carrier—that's me—to play you in the life or death game of chess. Chess is unknown to us. We prefer checkers. Checkers, it is. Unless you have Uncle Wiggly or Candyland. Rather than Robert's Rules of Order, he has the book Robert's Rules of Death. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Oh, and I, I should mention, uh, uh, Kirk Tingblad, who worked in uh, Star Tunes, is he's featured in the background of the... He says, better go, gotta go export the iron ore, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's and, and, uh So, yeah, I, I actually reached out to Kirk Tingblad, because I knew he worked in Star Tunes. I said, who is this guy? Because he's in a bunch of episodes of Animaniacs, uh, this guy with glasses and a mustache, and he goes, that's me. So, <laughs> come figure. Very nice, very nice. Um, uh, I've also, yeah, they, they want, they want Death, uh, Yakko and Dot want Death to take them as well as Wacko. He's come to take Wacko, but they don't want to be separated from their brother. They don't take us, please. Mm-hmm. And his reasons for not taking them are so by the book, like you said. He says, no, there are rules. I'm a bonded carrier. Our insurance can't cover you. Yes. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's not in the budget. We can't take you. It's just fabulous. I mean, it, McCann is uh, a stickler for that sort of uh, detail. I love that. Yeah, and, and this is uh, the first time we're getting the dadu. And it, it, Daddy and Pupparoo and and <laughs> <laughs> all these different things. It's it's such a cute uh, episode because it's it's you're driving Death crazy, which is like your ultimate adversary would be Death, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and also uh, uh, referencing the Seventh Seal, which you know kids love that. Uh, which, <laughs> but but just the fact that you're 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 up against Death, and and you really get the sense though with all this that the that they're really a family and they don't want to be separated so it's really it has this heart to it too which i appreciate despite being so crazy and silly and funny mm-hmm. it does have heart and at the end as they're kind of walking up they've defeated death uh and they're returning to the meatball festival and they're they're talking about how you know this isn't about death this is about uh, us being together about family, about a life, a life well lived, and they just say all these sort of almost spiritual things, and it is. It's like this heartfelt ending, and then Wacko Yakko pops out from behind the tree and says, "Spielberg eats this stuff up." I mean, he just undermines <laughs> it completely. And this episode, this cartoon also has one of favorites, Kelly uh, Kelly's favorite lines. How 
Spielbergian. Yes, Spielbergian. <laughs> that's when all the dust is coming out of the hourglass. Mm-hmm. Yes. Ooh. Yeah, that's my Twitter hashtag. How Spielbergian. Uh, also, there's uh, there are, again some references to character to people that aren't really that popular anymore. They turn and they look. It's Merv Griffin. Uh, not a big name. <laughs> but but death is interested. Oh, really? Where? Yeah, really. He finally came over here. <laughs> yeah. Well, then we get a poetry corner. I think. Yes, and this is and this these were done by freelance. I think weren't they? Or it seems like yes, they were. And uh, she was far enough away that you didn't care about the lip sync. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, and. If, to make these work, so they we sent all the uh, Dots Poetry Corners to them, and so we would steal footage from other Dots Poetry Corners when we got really bad footage, so we could borrow it and and lip sync her better with other footage. There you go. Mm. Yeah, it yeah. helped you out in the end there. Yeah. <laughs> And then we had a moving experience going with the hippos, right? Yeah, and this was supposed yeah. to be the first one. It's like the pilot. Right? Yeah. That's right. And uh, uh, this was it had the, uh, the the naturalist, the, uh, the the woman with the pith helmet studying them. Joan Embryo, I believe, instead of Joan <laughs> Embry. <laughs> and uh, just, you know... Not that successful as a uh, as an entertainment. So uh, yeah, I think when we saw this, we said, "Well, let's not do a lot of these." <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's, it has you know it has its moments, right? You know, but again, I think like you were saying, Tom. I guess the hip hippos are really, I mean, they're yuppies and they're not that likable. So right, yeah, it's hard to That's yeah. What well, uh, characters that are unlikable better have. You better have some other great characters in the room. And in this case, we didn't. Right. You know, if you have a really unlikable character, well, then get the Warner Brothers involved and that'll be fun. But we didn't get anybody involved. It's like later you get Brain, like in the last Hip Hippo, you have Brain involved. So you get, you know. Yeah. Right. The episode got that, really yeah. good. And he's just mm-hmm. like uh, tortured. and Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I, my beautiful self, give thanks for bottled Pellegringo mineral water. Well, see, I would hate to have to resort to drinking river water. Shall we do lunch? Marita, the expression do lunch is out. Now you say meal. Meal is a verb now. So, let's meal. (laughs) 20 is kind of a a more special episode. I, I think we should dedicate... A little bit more time to it than than our time limit will give us, and and which one was that, Kelly? Hearts of Twilight. That's and right. also the Boyds. And also the Boyds, which is also <laughs> yeah, very good. But we should really get Paul Rugg on here as well to to talk about Hearts of Twilight because, uh, of course, he mentioned in our uh, you know comic uh, Phoenix uh, fan fusion panel that it's his favorite episode of Animaniacs. So we got to get we got to deep dive into Hearts of Twilight with with Paul Rugg and Tom. So I think that's a great idea, and uh, I I think Paul has things he can share with us that we don't even know because it, it's such a uh, unique and and uh, brilliant episode, and uh, you just wonder you know what possessed you, Paul, to 
to do uh, Apocalypse Now for Kids. <laughs> exactly <Really>? so. Wonderful. <laughs> so we'll stop today at episode 19, but stay tuned. For a few weeks, we'll get a, we'll get a deep dive into Hearts of Twilight, which that'll be fun. Let's go ahead and call it a night or a morning or whenever you folks out there are listening to this episode. We're going to call it right now. And we'll come back with a special deep dive into Hearts of Twilight uh, and then getting into, of course, our additional episodes. And we can't thank you uh, enough, Tom, once again, for coming on the show and just giving us this uh, behind-the-scenes information of, of each episode as, uh, as we go. It's really a, a treat to have you on, as always, and uh, thank you. Well, thanks for having me on, and uh, I do enjoy uh, watching the shows and, and talk about them. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> thanks, well, for, thanks for having me on. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go ahead and get to some contact information. Nathan, where can people find you online? Joey, I've told you this. I'm on oh, Twitter. I keep forgetting. Django Every FT. Time. Django FT, that's me. Django FT, that's him. Okay, and Kelly, what about you? I'm on Twitter, Yoda Princess, Y-O-D-A-P-R-N-C-S-S, or email me, Kelly, at BigShinyRobot.com. And Tom. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Where gonna, am I? Tom, you're on Facebook. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Uh, you can find me. I'm, I'm not hiding. Yeah, and there's there's your, you know, Cartoonatics as well, cartoonatics.blogspot.com. Always want to make sure that people know about that blog because you're going to find a lot of great art and uh, behind-the-scenes stuff of uh, not just Animaniacs, but of a lot of Tom's product. Uh, I'm sorry, a lot of Tom's productions over the years. It's a great thing to check out. And, <laughs> and Tom is showing us some fantastic artwork as well. You could check out uh, Tom's Doodles by checking out today's show notes. And that, of course, is over at Animaniacast.com where you can find all of our discussions over at RetroZap.com. And RetroZap is a great place to go to for any of your pop culture needs, whether it's Star Wars, movies, video games, whatever. You should subscribe to the RetroZap podcast feed and get all of those wonderful topics delivered straight to your podcast device. Well, that'll do it for today's episode. So for Nathan, Kelly, and Tom, this is Joey saying good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody! This podcast is not endorsed by Warner Brothers or Amblin Entertainment and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Animaniacs, Tiny Toon Adventures, Freakazoid, the Warner Brothers logo, all names, pictures, and sounds are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respected trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Animaniacast unless otherwise indicated.